open door. Uh, how has this been in terms of operating this business and, and guiding it as an investor? This is one of your great successes, uh, but man, this has been hard. Uh, how are you navigating yeah, I think, the storm? I think some of it, well, so, I mean, there, there's a reality, which is, you know, Q2 um, interest rates in the United States raised at probably the fastest rate ever in, in a quarter. Mm -hmm. And that affects a lot of things in real estate before to build, most importantly, mortgages, the price mm -hmm. of a mortgage. And that's what most people can decide, uh, dictates what most people can afford, which indirectly affects the house price because prices mm -hmm. have to come down to stabilize where the market is. Um, so one quarter of massive interest rates hikes at an accelerating pace like that is pretty challenging. Um, however, I'd say after that quarter and before that quarter, in some ways, the company has completely mismanaged um, communicating what's actually mm -hmm. going on. So there's a, it just defies my um, belief that there are actually two um, twi uh, Twitter accounts that very accurately by people who are not professionals, one's a surgeon, I forget what the other one does for a living, but not tech professionals that accurately describe what's going on with Opendoor. Well, mm. at least 10x better than the company does. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Datador podcast in 2023. I wonder who Keith was talking about there. Yeah, I have no idea who, uh, who he was talking about. Definitely not about us. Yeah, uh, definitely not us and Thomas. <clears throat> welcome uh, to the first episode of 2023. As always, uh, we're going to cover the newest news around uh, Open Door and the prop tech space. You can join us in the Discord and uh, ask us any questions you want us to ask, answer in future episodes or join the amazing community there that discusses open door on a daily basis. <laughs> um, yeah, 2023 will be a big year for the housing market as well as for open door. We, uh, in the beginning here, we saw a clip from Keith uh, being on the This Week in Startups podcast with Jason and kind of had a little bit of a rant about what he thinks about open doors recent decisions. What do you think about that, Tyler? Yeah, I think, um, I think Keith is frustrated, uh, about the level of communication that's been coming out of open doors camp. Um, I think at times I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, I think the, the original strategy that open door had was to, uh, keep innovation and you know product product ideas, um, company operations. Keep that sort of as a tightly held secret. Um, and I think there's some Amazonian uh, uh, DNA behind that. Um, it's a very similar business strategy. But at the end of the day, I think Amazon's business was a lot easier to understand, um, uh, a lot a lot easier to grasp. Open Doors business probably not so much. I, it's hard to imagine. A business that's less uh, less easily grasped or, or um, shared with people, and so I think in that regard, the company could do a better job uh, when it comes to communicating and updating investors. Um, you know, coming on podcasts to to uh, get interviewed about specific topics and share the vision and share why they think that they're going to win when it seems like the rest of the world thinks they won't. 
Yeah, I think Keith specifically criticized the communication last year as things were happening. We didn't really hear anything outside of earnings calls. And even on earnings calls, it, it was kind of a snapshot in time. And the situation was really dynamic, especially after the Q2 earnings call. It probably would have made sense to give her like a one-on-one explanation of what uh, this housing crash looks like. Because I mean, even, even the data around this is not very transparent. There's so many different um, headlines that cite different data points. Some are talking about sales data, which is like a month uh, delayed or more. Then some are talking about listings data. Like for somebody that is just casually observing the market, it, will, it it's probably very confusing and uh, even more confusing for an open door shareholder that do- doesn't understand, maybe doesn't understand the the dynamics there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I think just sitting down with someone from the team to say like, hey, this is why this is why we struggled so much, and this is why we made the decisions to uh, to honor our contracts, and this is what we would do if this happened again, or new safeguards, new learnings, like all of these. All of these elements, I think, would be really powerful for the thesis because, um, you know, there are some people, ourselves included, that that try to highlight the difficulties of this past year and um, sort of these extenuating circumstances. But that's not really that's not our day job, right? Like that's not that's not what we we don't work for Open Door. We're certainly not being paid by Open Door, um, and so you'd think that someone from their camp would be able to you know, facilitate a narrative to talk about uh, those things. And, and I think Keith is expressing that. Um, he's also frustrated because this is originally his idea. You know, this, this is something that he, that has been living in his brain uh, for decades now. And um, some things happened this past year that really fundamentally weren't supposed to happen, or at least it would have been great if it didn't happen so early in Open Door's life cycle. Um, and so, I think that combined with some recent leadership changes and um, performance and just radio silence from the communications team, I think all of those add up to a frustrated um, Keith. Yeah, Keith still seemed very positive on Open Door itself, at least on the podcast. Uh, obviously, pointing at recent purchase cohorts that are performing a lot better, as we talked about before. Um, but yeah, you mentioned on Twitter he was. He also had some comments uh, about the board and uh, recent decisions, which likely um, point to um, appointing Kerry Wheeler uh, as the CEO. I mean, it's quite clear that I mean Keith is at the VC company that's called Founders Fund. It's quite clear that he would have liked to see Eric. Uh, be the CEO um, for the foreseeable future, future, and he's not a fan of CFO-led companies. So it's kind of the first time he he went with that opinion public. Yeah, and yeah, I thought that was I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised that he shared that um, kind of so casually on on Twitter. Um, I think I think I'm not necessarily as dogmatic about, um, 
you know, saying that only founders can can lead companies well, right? I think there's been a lot of examples of people who didn't found a company um, who came in and, and led it the right way. That said, rarely is that person, um, you know, from a from a strictly finance background, um, at least outside of banking. Uh, and I think the other thing that, you know, he probably didn't like is Eric leaving the board. And I don't like that either, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me that that was kind of a, a shock to see that happen. Um, and, uh, you know, Eric is a visionary. He's, he was a CEO. Um, he took the company public. He was a founder. Uh, so seeing him leave the board that, that I like less actually than the transition of Kerry to CEO and Eric to president of marketplace, because truthfully, I mean, I, I think at its core, open door is a finance company, Eric, probably, uh, you know, should just be heads down focused on product and uh, the marketplace. And that's what he's doing, right? He's sort of unfettered now. He's been unleashed to go work on marketplace. And Kerry can focus on getting this company back in the black, uh, which is sort of the job of the CFO. Um, and so I, I don't mind all, all of that necessarily. And I do think we've talked about this before, right, that this is probably not a permanent thing, right? Like this is this is probably a measure, you know, during a very uncertain time for the company's balance sheet and a critical inflection point for Open Door to extend into this marketplace model. Um, and so in that regard, it makes sense. But longer term, I agree, it would be nice to have um, the founder back at the helm, assuming that marketplace is solved and the company's in a safer position financially. Yeah, with marketplace and the ambitious goal of Paring thirty percent of open door sales, uh, and that countdown now kind of starting. They have twelve months left uh, to probably ten x twenty x the current volume on um, on on first party transactions. How feasible is that thirty percent goal from from your perspective? I'm skeptical. Um, truthfully, I, so much has to be done before, before that could make any sense, right? Like currently sitting at a little over a dozen listings on the, on the third party marketplace. Uh, and let's say conservatively, let's say that open door sells 2000 homes a month, right? For the entirety of 2023, let's say they sell roughly 25,000 homes. So if we get to 30% of all of that, um, you know, we'll, we'll say that we're at 8,000, right. For, for homes sold through the, the third party marketplace. Um, I think they've sold a handful so far. So the idea of that happening at this point seems almost impossible. Um, you know, early evidence that, that it could happen would be if we start seeing them scaling it up in different marketplaces, right. We're currently only in three marketplaces in Texas, Texas is Open Door's um, largest state of transactions, um, I believe, or at least it's usually one or two. Uh, but they're not even active with their marketplace in all of the cities that they're active in Texas right now. They're in 52 markets, I believe. Um, so being only in three markets and they have 52 and they want to get to 30%, they're not even in 30% of their markets right now. So basically just winding that all back, I'm saying they've got a steep hill to climb to get to 30% by this time next year. Yeah, it's also interesting to look at what 30% of market sales, marketplace sales really means. I mean, you talked about um, 
uh, currently almost 20% of their sales going through uh, institutionals, institutional sales. Uh, they are looking to move those uh, to a model where they never own the home. They just pass them through in their marketplace. And I, and as, as far as I understand, uh, investor relations confirmed that this is part of the 30% goal. So that, that definitely helps if, say, 100% of the Korean institutional sales just go never owned to um, to institutions, to retail or a big uh, um, homeowners. But that's still a lot of infrastructure that needs to be built. And we don't have insight into that. Like it could be that there have been selling a ton of homes <laughs> for, for that model. It's, it's hard to imagine, but uh, it's, it's not, it's something that we cannot track because the, the home is never owned by open door. Uh, the other thing is they also explicitly said that exclusive sales of first party inventory are not part of that 30%. So it's really just third-party sales mm-hmm. where Open Door never owns the home, which it's collected by percent. Yeah. So with, with institutions, it makes the goal a little more attainable, but without exclusive sales, first-party sales, it makes it a lot less attainable on the on the on the other half of those marketplace sales. Right. Yeah. The next few months will be quite exciting. I would expect them to launch more markets uh, by the end of Q1, at least. Um, hopefully more features, uh, something that attracts more buyers. I, I, I wonder where the big bottleneck right now is. If it's really on, on the buyer audience, uh, which they seem to be doing a good job on because uh, we are seeing quite a good amount of first-party sales or on the um the funnel for for new new homes that be, that need to be listed yeah i think i think right now the two things that open door i'd say priority one and two for open door are integration of the zillow partnership and scaling this marketplace model um i will say i will say let's say um let's say for example that open door gets nowhere close to the 30 percent market share um for their third party product let's say they only get to 20%, right? The economics of that 20% uh, for the scale that Open Door's at are still tremendous, right? Like it, it's still uh, lifting contribution profit margin by hundreds of millions of dollars, right? So um, I think, I think uh, that's the good news, right? I, I'm not so necessarily concerned about a specific number. Like I want Open Door to end at 35% or 25% market share. I really just want to see that they have product market fit with this marketplace, because if they do, I still believe they're the only one that can build it. So if they're the only one that can build it and they actually get traction with it, the security of the long-term business is uh, much more assured. Yeah. Assuming they only get 20%, it still shows a scalable business. And if it takes another six to 12 months to get uh, to 30, 30 plus percent, that's uh, still valuable. Another important thing is like they said 30%, but we don't know what that end number is. Like what's the base of those 30%? If they forecasted that next year, they're just going to sell half of the homes they sold in 2021, that makes it easier to get to 30%. But that's obviously not what we want to see. We want to 
maybe see uh, the first party business decline a little bit or stay flat, but definitely not half to get to those 30%. That's, that's our assumptions as well, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, I'd love it if it, if the whole business turned around and it was like first party was 20% and third party was 80%. That's a completely different business with like software margins. Um, so that would be, uh, that would be awesome, but I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. All right. Uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about, um, 2022 because like we're just one week in, in 2023, uh, I guess we can mention, uh, we are uh, one week in, in 2023, we already have some anecdotal data that, uh, buyers are coming back, at least in, in a few markets. We saw some tweets from Reuters in, uh, Phoenix of just having really, really packed open ho houses. Uh, which is a good sign. It's no hard data. It could be just that those homes were really popular or that people don't didn't have much to do in the first year of January. But it, it might be a sign that uh, 2023 might not be as bad as um, initially anticipated. I mean, we're still at a very low amount of listings overall nationwide. It's still a market that can um, turn around quite easily just because of the, the very little inventory out there. Um, so we will be watching that in the next few weeks and probably have something to say about this as well. Um, but let's uh, talk a little bit about margins, uh, open up margins since November. Yeah, so back in November, um, you know, after months and months of seeing open doors gross margins fall, um, you know, for monthly cohorts, basically since April of 2022, each month was a consecutive decline in open doors margin. And in November, I said, I feel like we've hit the bottom for open doors margins. I think, I don't think we're going to go lower um, from here. I think we're going to see a gradual move higher out of November. And since then, what we've seen is that uh, December's gross margin is higher than November. Uh, January's pending margin is higher than the pending margin that we saw in December and February's pending margin is higher than January. So, you know, we've been going like down, down, down since April to November, and now we're going up, up, up from November to February. Now, the things that that doesn't necessarily include are concessions on closure of the sale, right? So you can go under contract for a house that's the pending sale price. Um, but then, you know, if Open Door is really trying to make sure that the sale happens. Maybe they give a few hundred basis points of concessions and then that progress can go out the window. And so that's something that still needs to be fleshed out. Um, and that's happening in real time right now, but we're only eight days into 2023 so far. But I do think, I do think that, you know, based on the balance of inventory and the fact that every day it seems like open doors, uh, embedded margin is improving, right? Their, their listing margin, uh, the number of homes in, in, in inventory that, were bought at inopportune times, that continues to decline. Um, so they're right on track with what they guided for in Q2 and Q3 um, in terms of the home sold. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think uh, I would like to see just progress from here and no more stall outs, no more declines. Um, obviously the macro could influence that. Yeah, I think they're definitely starting 2023 with a cleaner book. Uh, a positive uh, gross margin 
that helps. Uh, from here, as we discussed uh, last episode, what we need to see is uh, acquisitions increase. And the Zillow partnership could help with that. It's going to launch in Q1, whatever Q1 means. Uh, it could be next week. It could be literally at the end uh, of the quarter. Um, so it, it's still kind of uncertain how Q1 will end. Yeah, I, I think you, you bring up an interesting point there too, which is probably worth mentioning is Q1 is actually pretty rife with potentiality for Catalyst, for Open Door, right? Um, Q1 is when the Zillow partnership is going to go online. That's a big integration, a lot of eyeballs to Open Door. Um, Q1 is going to be when they begin to ramp acquisitions. So I think that's going to be big news, right? Because it means that they're trying to return to normalcy. That means listing margins will begin to trend higher. And several months later, gross margins will begin to move higher. I think those are two really big ones. And then there's also the opportunity for um, Open Door to announce uh, expansion of their marketplace, right? I think those would all be huge too. Like, let's say Open Door comes out with a press release and says, Atlanta, Phoenix, you know, uh, um, Charlotte, we're Miami, we're going to be opening up our marketplace. Uh, and now suddenly the funnel is tripled. And then they do that again, right? They, they do the same cadence as market launches that they did in 2021, for example. Suddenly you have an opportunity to build um, a pretty nationwide business that could be incremental to uh, gross and contribution profit margin. And historically, OpenDirt likes to announce these things right before earnings calls. So uh, we hopefully or might see something um, be before February, right? I think the last earnings call was beginning of February. So I would assume that also we, we will soon get an announcement for the next earnings call. What I'm also super interested about uh, is usually openers, they're quite open on earnings calls and what they're seeing. And if you look at the Q2 uh, earnings call where they had, they realized they had really, really bad inventory on their hands and they were quite open with it and predicted how the rest of the year would kind of shake out. Now, people are not usually listening to what um, Kerry is, is, is saying on this earnings call or misunderstanding it. It's not always very clear uh, from the wording how it will be. But like in the next earnings call, we should see how, um, we should see an indication how open door sees the next few months play out or the next six months play out, which I'm really looking forward to. Another thing I'm looking forward to is the, actual full year results of 2022 because even with whatever happened in the second half of the year i think the full year results won't be as bad uh probably i think if open margin sorry yeah go ahead i I was just i was just gonna say i agree with you i think the contribution profit margin can be four percent which was the goal for the year right despite the housing downturn i think open doors Contribution profit margin is going to be four percent. It's wild. Yeah, and, and that's basically what they said from the beginning of the year. Uh, that's what they're aiming for: four to six percent. Obviously, four is the lower end, and uh, we could uh, 
we could fall below that depending on like the details of Q4, but um, it's very close for one of the worst housing crashes in the history. It's probably not that bad. And I assume if Open Door makes it through this period and the next year is going to go well, I think three years from now, when we look back at 2022, it will look a lot less uh, chaotic and crazy sloppy than and sloppy how it looks like right now. And I, I think a lot of that is the missing communication, right? People read the headlines, uh, the Bloomberg headlines, the uh, they look at, at, at listings that sell 20, 20%, 30% below list price, and they don't really see the big picture. And nobody's there to, to lead them to the big picture. So... Uh, yeah, hopefully in three years from now, we will look back and, and do a review of the years since IPO and, and 2022 will look a lot worse than expected. Uh, but talking about 2022 being worse than ex- expected, uh, there was kind of this discussion on, on the Discord and also on, on Twitter of how 2022 is worse than 28, uh, 28 uh, sorry, 2008. <laughs> And I think you, we can like kind of talk through that what that actually means when people say 2022 is worse than 2008. Yeah, worse is sort of a uh, nebulous word, right? Like, what does that what does that actually actually mean? I think the set of circumstances that catalyzed 2008 uh, and those that that did for 2022 are very very different, right? Um, at the heart of it, the American consumer, I think, is much healthier in 2022 than they were in uh, 2008. Um, but I also think, in, you know, in terms of worse, the way that I think about worse for 2022 is just that uh, the velocity of the change was it was like overnight, right? Like something, you know, mortgage rates went up and demand just vanished. It was ghost towns at open houses, right? Um, and that was the big difference is that it was like an overnight revaluation reset on what your home might be worth. And not only that, but you're combining that with, uh, you know, rocket highs every month before that, the preceding months before that overnight change, home prices were just going up and up and up and up. You could sell your home, um, casually, you know, you could just list it and have a bunch of offers on your home well over asking. Um, so, so I think, that's a very unique circumstance relative to 2008 um, when you had, you know, people who had no business owning five homes with these adjustable mortgage rates. And, uh, you know, suddenly they, they can't, they can't pay for them and they have no equity. And uh, so, you know, many foreclosures and all those things. I just think those are different. The way that 2008 was worse was peak to trough, at least so far, the decline, I, I believe was, you know, was worse in 2008. But the velocity is what really characterized um, why 2022 was worse. Um, that, that's, the real, that's the real difference as far as I can tell. And people have so much equity in their homes because home prices went right. up like crazy since 2020. 2020 um, there's no reason to sell. You're locked into a you know, 3% mortgage. Uh, you have tons of equity. Uh, like, what, why should you sell now? And even if you, you, you're forced to sell, you're probably walking out with 
some extra cash instead of being underwater like it was the case in 2008. So we had a lot of forced volume uh, in 2008 where uh, foreclosures uh, or people had to sell because they couldn't finance uh, their five homes anymore. Um, where now, it, like you said, it's ghost town, right? It was ghost right. town for a lot of end, the end of 2022. Uh, 20, yeah, two, 2022. Um, now for 2023, we're starting with still um, almost record low inventory. Uh, right. Nobody really knows where things are going. Obviously, there's recession fears out there, but people are still in, in a quite good financial uh, situations and they, people need homes. We have yeah. we are all time high in, in um family creations, people want to live in homes and there's only a limited amount of homes available. Yep. And I think, I think you also touched on one of the major differences between 08 and 22 as well, which is like to understand home prices, you have to understand supply and demand and supply is such a huge, has such a huge impact on home prices in the United States. And so in 2008, when you have people who can't afford all the homes that they have, that meant that there were sellers like crazy. They're unloading inventory. And so supply just kept going up and up in 08, which meant that home prices were going down because there was no demand, right? There was just a ton of homes in the market, which meant that you had this really negative effect on home prices, which allowed home prices to drop more than most other periods in, in modern US history. Fast forward to 2022, the opposite is true, right? There's, there's so few homes on the market. There's such limited supply because... People are locked in with these great mortgage rates. It's not adjustable to fix mortgage rates, so they don't have to sell. They don't have to refinance. They're just going to sit with their home and wait it out, right? And and so, you know, on the one hand, that means there's less supply available for buyers. But on the other hand, that also means that less supply is going to have a buoying effect on home prices. So it's like a backstop in 2022, which is why ultimately I think, um, you know, we're not going to see as big of a peak to trough decline in this housing crisis, the only thing that really motivated the change in home prices is mortgage payments. It had nothing to do with the availability of homes. So that's the big difference is I think 08, the main driver of home price decline was supply. In 22, the main driver of home price decline is mortgage rates. And depending on where you think mortgage rates are going to go, I think home prices will follow. Yeah, and it's it's so hard to price homes now as well. There is no comps available because nothing is moving. You have uh, uh, you have sellers that are sitting on tons of equity that are not really forced to sell. They probably have all the time in the world to sell. They probably choose quite a high price that they're used to from past years. Um, and buyers are also not budging in pay, paying overpriced homes because mortgage rates are over 6 percent or at times they were over seven percent which is insane um yeah it's hopefully uh 2023 will look a little bit uh better in terms of volume uh but there with limited supply again it well it's yeah. it's going to be hard to get volume up yeah uh, i think you're touching on exactly the reason that 2023 is going to be such a weak year for transaction volume, which 
is another is another issue for Open Door, right? In 2022, we had home price declines very rapidly. That's bad for Open Door. And then in 2023, we have um, a much lower amount of transactions. That's also bad for Open Door because you know their business is a percent of total U.S. home transaction GMV. Um, and so as that goes down, so does Open Door share, at least in regard to their their first party business. Um, you know, when I when I used to think about Open Door's opportunity in such a time. Um, my argument was that open door was growing so fast that, you know, going from six to 5 million homes sold in a year, open doors growth rate overcomes that. And so they're at least flat to slightly higher year over year. But I think we're going, the direction we're going is more like a 30 plus percent decline in total number of transactions. And open door has definitely took their foot off the gas with regards to growth. And so, um, my, my early expectation going into the year is, flat to down, um, most likely down in terms of overall home sales for Open Door in 2023. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> the bull case was always that in a down market, uh, Open Door will be able to still buy a ton of homes, invest in marketing and gain market share. Now the problem is in this situation, they were cut, like they were caught offhand with a lot of inventory. They need to cut costs, cut marketing, um and yeah take take the foot off the pedal and and and, and slow down uh to be seen is if that is a, a temporary slowdown or if with the tailwinds of low inventory and um and uh, the civil partnership and their investments marketplace if they can if they can help them like get out of this faster. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about it in retrospect because, you know, we've had the benefit of being able to learn a lot more about us residential real estate since we started covering open door, because there's so many elements of its, of its business that's touched by home builders and REITs and um, single family rentals and mortgage rates. Right. And I think when I was first thinking about open doors business model, you're sort of thinking about um, total GMV and transaction, the number of transactions that take place, but it's remarkable how uh, influential mortgage rates were for home prices in 2022 and how fast they changed them, right? Um, so, so I think I think those are kind of the the two levers to to consider is that maybe in a 2008 open door does a little bit better because the speed isn't what it was. Um, and, you know, Open Door owns those homes, but it still would have had to compete with all of this inventory flooded on the market, which I think would have meant that unless you were able to really sell homes quickly, um, everything you owned was depreciating pretty continuously for over a year. Yeah. The ability to see uh, that we're going in a down market would have been, it would have been a lot easier in 08 to to see that we're going to the down market because it, it went slower. Uh, yep. Well, here, interest rates went up, mortgage rate exploded. Uh, it was a sudden stop and a sudden drop in, in buyers. Um, so they went from buying a shit ton of homes to buying, uh, to needing to sell a shit ton of homes without a transition between. All right. Um, it's a bummer. 
<laughs> it's a bummer. I guess that that's a great way to end uh, the first episode of 2023. 2022 Very cheerful, was a cheerful and optimistic episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's an exciting time. It's definitely not boring. I think that's the, the most positive aspect here. Um, I think nobody can tell you right now how 2023 ends. There's nobody out there that can tell you like where interest rates will be, how the economy will look like, uh, how the housing markets will look like, or uh, how the war in Ukraine will look like. Like they, everything is on the table. Everything is possible. Um, right. It's gonna, that's a good. You know, that's a good point. No one knows how 2023 is going to end. Yeah. All right, with this, <laughs> we end our first episode of 2023. Um, and we, we, we're back on a weekly schedule, so you, you should see us again next week. Uh, it, make sure to join um, our Discord channel. You can find it on uh, datadoor.io slash community. Um, you can ask us questions at uh, podcast.datadoor.io as well. And uh, if you're interested in uh, Open Doors, in our prediction of Open Doors Q4 results, you can also find them on datadoor.io, and we probably will talk about them in in a few weeks as well. And yep. uh, take a look at the whole year 2022 for Open Door. All right. Uh, see you next week. Bye. Cool. Thanks for having me on your show, Sebastian. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>